All right, and we are recording. Um, yeah, I mean, in in that in that um, you know. All right, I'm gonna start over. Hi, Mans. Hello. I'm Mercy. So this is Mercy and the Mans. What is Mercy and the Mans? Well, it's us. What do you think? Uh, Should we tell everybody how we came to be, all the the two people that are going to listen to this? Yeah, I think so far we're off to a rousing start. (laughs) So Mercy and the Mans started a band, and it's called Mercy and the Heartbeats. And we wanted to tell everybody how that got started and how it came to be and how we've come to be mercy in the man's yeah figure if we're going to be talking to you weekly uh weekly am, that's that's is a is that ambitious <laughs> that's pretty ambitious oh i i did i guess i didn't get the memo if we were going to be talking to you on a semi-regular basis that maybe it would be good for you to know who we are yeah. um yeah so so before we get started about how mercy came to be i thought it would be cool to say where we started musically full stop so mans who is known as kyle caprista how did you get into this business called the music industry um well that's a good question uh the public school system is responsible for me being (laughs) a professional musician yeah pay your taxes send your kids to public school um, yeah, I, I started playing music when I was about 10 years old, back when everybody did fifth grade band. It wasn't something, it just felt like everybody did it. And, um, I actually at the time wanted to play saxophone because my dad owned one. And, uh, at the time, I don't remember what year that was, it was like end of the eighties, beginning, beginning of the nineties. Like saxophones were cool, like, and I'm not saying saxophones are not yeah, cool. Yeah, I was gonna say, all, all, so my cool. Sa- all my saxophone friends, you know, don't no offense, but back then, you know, Huey Lewis in the News, and you know, all these bands that were on MTV and were the the cool bands of the time had horn sections or at least one one horn in them, and I thought, well, that's cool. I like that music. I, I'm really into that. So I'll play saxophone. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everybody wanted to play saxophone, and so. The band director said I could either play uh, clarinet, flute, or try out for percussion. And in my brain, I was like, well, I don't see any flutes or clarinets on MTV, so I think I'm going (laughs) to go ahead. I'm pretty sure Van Halen doesn't have a flautist. So I'm going to go ahead and um, try out for percussion. And they give you like a rhythm test, so they clap out a rhythm, and you have to clap it back. And the thing is, that doesn't sound hard, but... I more than doubled everybody else's score. And what you find out is that it's actually not easy for people to clap and repeat a rhythm if you don't have any, like, natural rhythmic talent. Um, so I played in the fifth grade band, and then the next year I went to middle school, and they had a drum set. They had a jazz band. And when the first, from the second I saw somebody play the drum set, I was like, I'm going to learn to do that. That's the next thing for me. And... My mom got um, the tryout sheet 
you know, from the band director. She asked him, like, well, what, what does he need to do? And I basically took, a, like, almost two years of lessons just to try out for eighth grade. What, what For me, would have been eighth grade jazz band. Okay, so this is a good question to ask. You'd never had any type of musical training before band in school? No. No, just, like, I mean, funny to think back. Like, I'd listen to records and kind of, like, drum along on my bedspread or whatever. But, yeah, no, I didn't take any private lessons. I didn't. Um, there wasn't any like, I'm going to grow up to be a saxophone player in Huey Lewis's band. Yeah. I mean, well, and you find out later when you are in band with, with, with kids that are maybe more driven or come from, you know, families that are like, you're going to do all these things and you're going to do them well. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a family with four kids and everybody, they're just trying to survive. Everybody's sort of playing sports and doing boy scouts and whatever. And nobody was like you're taking piano lessons or you're you know it was kind of like yeah we're we're all kind of doing the same things until people find out what they're good at or what they really want to do and you know like my brother was good at soccer and my sister's good at volleyball and my littlest brother was good at volleyball as well and for me it was music um so i tried out for jazz band got the gig um which is the first thing i ever called it (laughs) it kind of was though i mean like at the at the time that was the first thing that I ever wanted and practiced and went after and I got it and like I that would kind of be the first of many of those things for me throughout music um which I don't even know at the time if I realized I was doing that it was just like I'm doing this like there wasn't like a I really want this and I'm gonna try I don't know it wasn't didn't feel like a like an active thing it felt like a passive thing in a way the first thing you felt that you was yours though and that you were good at didn't even know that you had had that in you yeah that's probably the first time in my life that I felt like what it what it feels like to be good at something and have it come easy and naturally and not have to you know like anybody can learn the drums like I can with enough time invested I can teach people or, or you can get taught to play some beats but you're gonna have to work if you're not naturally good at it you're gonna have to work so hard and put in so many hours and I did that too but I got like a lot further in the time than it would take you know it was just it just came easy and mm-hmm. it was the first time I think I ever felt that about it I was not a good athlete and that no. did not come you know I'm not <laughs> I'm not I'm still not a good athlete I mean I, I play an okay softball but uh you know even even that as I've gotten older I realize like I've gotten worse because I haven't kept up in my skills I'm just kind of go out and play every week and um anyway but like you know the thing is is like you for me you know eighth grade jazz band then led to high school you know marching band and jazz band and percussion and that became something I did competitively and that was where I got my like competitive um spark from I guess the way other people like competed in athletics like for me I took the competitive side of of band very seriously and had some good success with that and then, yeah. Sorry, so eighth grade was when you were on the kit. Mm-hmm. And then in high school, you went into marching band. So what did you play in marching band? Well, you're supposed to, I didn't realize it's this at the time. You're supposed to like work your way up, I guess. Like freshmen weren't supposed to play snare drum or, or like tenors, quads or whatever. Like you're supposed to play bass drum or cymbals or, or be in the pit or something and like earn it right 
you know, but I guess I was good enough that they were just like, we're going to put you on snare drum and we're going to like mold you into this thing, I guess. And that and you weren't playing the kit at all in high school or were you also playing marching band and jazz band? Could you uh, even do that back then? Yeah, I, I eventually I did. The funny thing is there was somebody ahead of me who was ahead of me at in middle school, but gr- obviously graduated before I got to where I was prepared to uh, audition. But once I got to high school, I caught up to this person. And, um, you know, they're really nice. And this person w- was nice and generous to me. But also I, I was uh, competitive and I felt like I earned a spot, but I was made to wait. And looking back, I don't regret it because... All my friends were there and I got to go travel and do a lot of fun things through through that band program. But if I had been all about myself, I would have transferred because there were other schools that were recruiting me. Okay. High schools in, in that city. <laughs> the band director's like, yeah, you can come over here and play right now. You know, like, uh, and I, and I, to me, it was like, I couldn't fathom what that would have been like to like transfer high schools. But yeah, looking back <laughs> now, like <laughs> right. looking Looking back now, it would have been like to, would have told my my current band director to to where he could stick it and gone right. over there and played. In that um, sort of experience and band, like all these these sort of um, trying moments where I had to check myself and sometimes didn't check myself very well. But like I was able to play drums in high school for like eight plus hours a day between like morning marching band symphonic band percussion practice during the day jazz band and then band or percussion practice at night two times a week competitions on the weekends and my drum kit at home like I was probably playing eight hours of drums which um is crazy uh because there's only like a certain time in your life where you can do that before Mm -hmm. you have to like get a job or do other things where it's like you can't spend eight hours playing drums right um but yeah, and then in graduating high school, I, I didn't, the thing about like kids today, everything's on YouTube, you know, like you can go find, there's people doing interviews, your favorite drummers are doing interviews, like giving you the blueprint, like, oh, if you want to be a professional drummer, like you should do X, Y, and Z in this order, right. you know, I mean, there's other ways to do it, but like there was nobody in my life being like, yeah, go to, go to school, go to college and network. And then like start working in the town that you're that you went to college in and then move once you're like once you've got your chops together, like move to an industry city like L.A. or Nashville or something. I had no concept of what that would even look like. And my parents didn't know they wanted me to just be able to take care of myself and were worried that being a musician would mean I was homeless or something. And like uh the like the counselor at the school is just some old dude who's like nearing retirement. And he's just like, oh, you know, Healthcare and computers are are growing industries. You should look into that. I'm like, what about me screams computers or healthcare? Like I (laughs) own a computer, but like I walk, you know, because you had to like, I don't know if you had to do this, but like you had to like go meet with this, with the counselor, the guidance counselor when you're maybe a junior or something like that. And they're like, well, what do you want to do? And where do you want to, you know, they're supposed to like help you push, push you to the right school and into, into like a career path, I guess, which right. looking back, it's like, you're like 17 years old. Like how nobody, no, very few people <laughs> d- can like make an informed decision about their career at 17. Right. But 
you know, I go in there and I go, well, I'm really good at drums. I really love music. It's a passion of mine. It's the one thing that I feel I'm good at. It's the one thing I'm driven to do. And what you get back from this guy is just like, wow, healthcare and computers. And it's just like, dude, you're just reading off a script. Mm -hmm. And so the the end result of that is that like, I sort of just like for my, what are the traditional college years, I sort of just like hung around town and like worked retail and played in some local bands. And I didn't have any concept of how you could make a living in music. And then um, I sort of lucked out. Um, funny enough, I entered the Guitar Center drum off, which I would never do now. Right. But back then I'm like, I'm, yeah, I'm a really good drummer, you know. I'm going to enter that. I'm going to win, you know. And what I didn't know is cause, because, again, you didn't have YouTube. You didn't have, like, I had no concept of how other people were playing drums or what other people thought uh, was, like, flashy drumming. So I go in into the Guitar Center drum off in Concord and um, I get up there and like other people are like just to me what I thought was nonsense. It's just like notes and play. I'm just like, what? Is- I'm going to go up there. I'm going to play some grooves. I'm going to pull out my brushes and play some brushes and like whatever. And I and I do that. And I think, oh, man, I knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't advance. And this is like the first like I would have gotten murdered later on. But like I should have advanced out of like the the basic store because they pick like two people or something like that okay and so i'm pretty honestly dejected because i'm thinking like man i thought that i was definitely good enough to advance and i don't know now i like really i was lost i was like calling up my old band director like the first band director that inspired me to like ask for advice and i must have sounded like such a loser just like like I don't know what to do with my life and like you know he was so kind but I realized looking back I'm like what is he supposed to tell me you know I'm like basically I'm just trying to say like I was I was genuinely lost at that point in my life but there was a judge at the guitar center drum off who was a working a real working musician right not like and and the other the other judges were but there are people like the drummer who was like it was John Blackwell who was playing with Prince and stuff, you know, and the, the kind of stuff they're looking for, what they think that they're kind of told the guitarist in our drum office is like big flashy whatever. Well, this guy was like, "Hey man, I really respect that you got up there and played, like, m- played music. That you, I like, I get what you were doing. Right. Give me your number because there is always stuff going on in town, and you know, I'd love to be able to like." put you into some stuff or whatever which again i had no concept that that was a thing you could do i didn't know you could get paid to play drums in town right um he got me a musical out of the blue like i didn't hear anything for months and then like i get called to, to go do this musical i'm like okay i can read i can read music and whatever so I go what do this musical it was called baby it was a very like it was the like walnut creek black box you know theater or whatever um and it was a very uh local i wouldn't even say like low budget but like it's a small theater and it's all like the people there it's a mix of people that have been doing it for a long time and and kind of up-and-comers or people that want to learn or whatever and it was actually really good um but the thing about musicals you find out is that like they give you they offer you a number as a musician like payment number they go we're gonna pay you you know nine hundred dollars or whatever nine hundred dollars my god stipend yeah and you're like man that's a lot of money then you you don't realize how many hours you actually spend and how much you travel to and from and everything. You break oh, yeah. it down, you're getting paid like $4 an hour. <laughs> yeah. 
But it was fun. It was really genuinely fun. I met some very cool people. And in particular, I met a guy named James DePredo, who is, uh, in, in my book, one of, if not the best guitar player in town. Uh, just to me, a guy that really has a singular voice. Like I, I've told him, I'm like, I could pick you out of a lineup. I don't care what guitar they put in your hand. I don't care what the amp is. I could pick your playing out. Mm. And he, again, uh, sort of the next person in my life who's like, hey, man, you should uh, you come play these gigs with me. Um, got me session work, which I didn't know existed. And um, that kind of like, led me into these songwriter circles where I I started playing drums for a lot of songwriters. And that led me to studio work, which led me to, um, you know, I got recruited to play in a cover band um, by a songwriter that I was playing drums for. And again, I didn't even know that that was a thing. Like, oh, cover band. Okay, what's that all about? Um, And to his credit, he almost didn't want me to do it because he's like, I love the way you, you play, you know, music and i'm afraid if you come do this that it's gonna like wreck all that and i'm like dude i work in an office like 30 hours a week you're telling me i can make enough money where i don't have to do that i don't care what the songs are Mm -hmm. um so i started doing that and that and and that band grew as as i alongside my career as a session drummer that band also grew got to do all kinds of fun amazing things travel play with huge artists you know Got a lot of very cool opportunities out of that, which then led me to meeting you. Um, ta-da. ta-da. Uh, sorry, I'm giving you the Cliff Notes version because I realized I'm talking <laughs> about like 20 minutes about my uh, childhood. But uh, yeah, led me to meet you. And once again, another and a long, uh, you know, a long su- succession of people that um, gave me opportunities I didn't know I needed or wanted. You know, you, uh, after playing with me in this band for a while, you were singing in a country band and you thought you saw something in me as a front man and lead singer that I didn't, I never saw. I always saw myself as a background singer. I think like most people, I hate the sound of my own voice, singing voice, especially like, and I've been told, been told for a long time, like, Oh, you're a really great background singer, but you don't really like have a a lead voice, which I still sort of feel that way. But when it comes to what we're doing, you know, getting up on stage and singing for a cover band, which is what I do in this band for the record. I, I am, the, I am <laughs> yeah. the male lead singer in Mercy in the Heartbeats. I do play percussion. I have a big percussion rig and everything, but uh, Miss Mercy here saw something in my ability to entertain and uh, my ability to carry a tune, I guess, and uh, invited me to come sing in this country band, which was life-changing because that country band led me to A, um, develop as a front man, which I truly love to do. And you develop that really fast. Well, th- you have given me the confidence and, wow. and I have to give you the credit for that. Um, but I mean, it's a beautiful thing because it's, it's allowed us to start this band together. It's uh, allowed me to play drums less overall, but to sort of be more musical in my drumming because I was doing a, and I still do a a fair amount of like cover band drumming, but that uh, singing and having a majority now of my cover band stuff be as a vocalist has opened up this kind of avenue for me where my drumming, when I am drumming, it's a lot of times it's songwriter stuff, it's studio stuff, and it's just a little bit more fulfilling on that end. Um, Yeah. 
and you and I fell in love and we're getting <laughs> married and you brought an amazing little girl into my life as well. So again, a, a sort of a succession of, of... You didn't even know you wanted that either. I didn't, you didn't know I that didn't existed. Know that. Yeah, I didn't know that that was a thing that I wanted to do. Um, yeah, it's just, I've, I guess my life has been sort of me, um, a long succession of, um, of me being sort of taken care of by people that um, saw something in me and invested in me as a human being, as a musician, as, you know, um, yeah, as a man, as a, as a, as a person of the world, I guess. And, um, I'm very thankful for all the, all of those people because I don't know that I would have figured it out. I don't know if it, maybe, maybe nobody does, maybe nobody figures it out on their own, but I certainly at every moment in, in my life where I've been sort of lost and not sure where to go, there's been somebody who's been like, Oh, I see this thing in you. Here's this thing you should do, which then has led to like a million other opportunities. So, right. yeah. Okay. That's the Cliff Notes version of my <laughs> life and how I got here. Well, um, mine is completely opposite, which is kind of funny how we do this together and how we both and, and just how it shows how um, there's no one way or right way. Uh I always knew I was going to be an entertainer or a singer. I just didn't know. Well, if I go back, I mean, the first stories I ever hear about myself is that I was always singing. Um, my mom speaks of me nursing and I would hum all the time. I was singing before I could talk is always what I grew up hearing. I could sing along with anything on the radio in English or Spanish. We didn't speak Spanish in the home, but I knew all the mariachi songs. Um, I have pictures and videos of me from the age of three singing and performing. Um, I would jump up on benches at the mall and perform for anybody that was walking by. Um, my first real big thing was <laughs> seeing the cartoon, The Three Caballeros, and... I wanted to do the dancing first, actually, what was really funny. I wanted to do baile folklorico, and that's what I wanted to do. So the first time I was on the stage, I was four, and I was dancing in this dance troupe uh, out of San Jose. Somehow that led me to sing with mariachis at some point, and I also, my first gig was when I was eight, and I sang two songs, <laughs> and I've been thinking about showing this to you because you will die you will be doubled over laughing so at the time think about it eight years old there are no mp3s there are no karaoke tracks there are no nothing like that and I didn't have somebody that would play with me yet uh, so at eight my first gig was at the Mountain View Senior Community Center I believe and I sang San Antonio Rose and Blue Moon of Kentucky do you think the old people like that? I'm always kind of curious because I mean we have friends of ours that now go and perform at senior centers and stuff, and and sometimes I'm oh, like, oh no, they loved it. Yeah, okay. I'm, yeah, always, yeah. I'm always curious if well, they're like the old people are like, oh, uh, they're like wheeling to wheel them into the you know. Well, there's senior community uh, center which you actually choose to go to, and then there are re the retirement or even convalescent homes. That's a whole different thing, which yeah. I actually love. I haven't done that in a long time, and I, I do enjoy that, but um. So it's just me and a boombox and a cassette tape of background organ music. Wow. 
so the backing track was just an organ um and I sang these two songs and I was hooked I liked being in front of an audience and even though it was there the and and it just makes me cringe now like listening to that um that music because that's that's all I hear it's just this this god-awful because the versions I learned with Patsy Cline, which absolutely is not organ music. Um, that led to my parents being, okay, we're in this. We'll support you however you want. And if this is what you want to do, this is, we're going to do it all the way. And um, that led me to record my first CD when I was 10. Uh, it was 10 songs. It was country. Um, it was called Up on the Edge. And... Um, I helped write some of the songs, but most of the songs were written by other people. There was nobody doing what I was doing. There were no kids. Like the only kids that were maybe out at that time was Debbie Gibson. So I didn't have anybody. Um, the people that I were looking up to as role models were well into their 40s at that time. I mean, the people that had done that before were like the Brenda Lees and the Tanya Tuckers and and they were already very well established. There were no Britney Spears or Ariana Grande or anything like that at the time. Um, same thing, no YouTube, no, uh, no any of that. And my parents, to their credit, had no idea what they were doing, but took me to recording sessions, took me to um, writing sessions, took me to the production meetings and took me to all this stuff. And, you know, God love them. They like put so much money and time and effort and, you know, drove me around to all the radio stations. And we drove, you know, state of California, um, all the while I was homeschooled. Um, that was really the only way I could do this. It wasn't the main reason I was homeschooled, but it really helped that I was homeschooled and, and wanting to do this industry and performing wherever I could um I don't even know like looking back I don't even know how I got a lot of the shows that I ended up getting but same thing like I'd enter a singing contest it was like oh scholarship if you win you get $25 to this music academy that you could take lessons from and you know we'll pay for your lessons and then someone would meet me there and oh you should perform at this and it would just kind of kept growing Funny enough, I never actually took any singing lessons. Uh, they were a little worried that I would change the way I sing mm -hmm. because um, I was untrained. Um, but they wanted to help me learn to sing correctly. So I did do a little bit of, of that when I was in high school. But uh, by the time I was 16, recorded two more CDs, one, in, one in, completely in Spanish, one in English, um, was back and forth to Nashville a lot. I recorded a lot in Nashville. I recorded a lot in LA. Recorded a lot in Texas. Uh, by that time, I had been getting some um, interest from record labels, and I had at one point maybe seven record labels that were courting me at the time. Um, but nobody wanted to take that that like final step. No one like. They'd come see me, they'd fly me out, they'd send me songs and we'd go do this whole dance. I was never really fully supported in making a big move. My family didn't want to uproot everybody and go to Nashville or LA. Um, so it kind of came to a point of where it was like, I, some somebody had to make a move. Um, 
at the time, they were really pushing me to go into the Latin market, and I decided I wanted to come back to my first love, which was country music. And after that, it was kind of like all of a sudden, Leanne Rhymes came out, Britney came out, Christina Aguilera, and then I was, I mean, what I was told anyways, I was too old because I was at that time about eight, 17, 18, and I wasn't a cute, sexy 14-year-old. Um, which is totally really normal. Odd to totally, say totally out normal loud. <laughs> country, totally normal industry. Uh, yeah, and I kind of my last thing uh, we want to talk about um, being dejected uh, after all these years of performing and opening these huge shows, both for um, Mexican artists, both for country artists. Um, I had this one huge showcase. Uh, I won't say the label, but they came out to see me. And I, I, I mean, they wanted so they wanted to hear this. They wanted to hear that. And I, I had this killer place that I, I rented out and had the band and we rehearsed and, you know, did the show, came off and, you know, sat down, <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, I was told that at best I could be maybe a backup singer to somebody. Um, who did I think I was to be? to think I could be a lead singer and be an artist and be taken seriously that I didn't have the voice. You think they would have told you that if it. you were a man? Cause I, <clears throat> I kind of personally don't. I no, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I, and, and funny enough, like I still like at that point, I still would just sit there and I, I, okay, they're giving me feedback. They're being honest. Like all I can do is just sit here and, and nod politely. Um, my manager at the time was there my sister was the one, um, funny enough, along the way, she'd been singing with me. We actually had a sister act at the time. We were <clears throat> singing as a duo, excuse me. And um, she was the one that told the two guys off, which I, to this day, give her credit for because I didn't have the guts to do it. But she stood up and was like, I don't know how much more you know, of this you want to sit here and take but I'm not taking this because I think you're an amazing singer and you're an amazing entertainer and anybody would be lucky to have you and we're done and she told my manager off in the process because she was like who are you like you've been managing this woman for eight years and this is how you let people treat her um, and so for a long time I was I mean by that time I'd already been doing it for People forget when they when they see me now as a 40 year old woman in this industry, um, they still treat me like the new kid on the block to a certain extent. They don't realize that I've been doing this as a career since I was eight years old. Like that's I ha I've been working since I was eight. I've been right. making money at this since I was eight. Um, I started going back to school. And again, I always knew I was going to be a singer. So there was what, what else was I going to study? I loved many other things things in my life uh I thought maybe I'd be in the medical field I thought maybe I would be um I really thought I was going to be at one point um an EMT and go on to be a paramedic the schedule uh didn't seem very fun and the money didn't seem very fun for the schedule that you have and I was taking a class at Foothill College with Mark Anderson whom I I love that man and he is the one that introduced me to the cover corporate world. I had no idea that existed, like absolutely no idea. And I had a class with him, music business and recording arts, which 
I don't even know how I passed that class, but um, he probably passes everybody. It's, it's like <laughs> hard to fail somebody from a class like that. Uh, no, it was. Did you more, show up? Were you there? I showed up, uh, but I also made lots of friends who I would partner up with and go like, "Hey, you want to come do like do our project together?" And I would just like, "I'll I'll do the vocals. I'll sing for our project, and you just make sure that like I can get like." But I actually didn't learn anything in, in the studio. Like I knew how to hit a couple buttons and that's that was just, about it. That's just being industrious. So yeah. That's, was, being, was, that's being smart. Using smart, your noggin. Smart business girl. Um, so he introduced me to um, a guy that um, used me as a sub and I had no idea what that meant. And I was about 20, 21. And he's like, I got this gig. There's You have to come in and audition. And we have this you know you know all these songs come in and sing all these songs like if you're a singer you know all these songs i knew one song in the songbook and that was boogie oogie oh <laughs> which is kind of funny that that's the song you knew because i'll be honest with you the first time that i heard and performed that song was this year with you with me so you know with and it's like people the people did that to me they're like hey you know all these songs i'm like what the heck what the heck is boogie oogie that's a song yeah like Oh my God. Uh, I know. I love that song. But I had to. So, yeah. So, what it was is this guy had a band and he had three singers two female, one male, horn section, dancers. Like, this is back when like cover bands were huge, like huge. And, Before um, DJs. Yeah. We'll get into that in and, a later and, episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, like seriously, four dancers. We had to know choreography, everything. And I was just a sub. And I was replacing this woman for a while who was out on maternity leave. And I was only supposed to be there for like two months. And I didn't even really drive that much yet. So my folks would drive me to gigs here in San Francisco, to Carmel, to wherever, because I was 20. I Some of the places I'm not even sure if I was allowed to even be in, technically. But um, started doing this, these cover bands and I learned quickly I didn't want to be in a band I didn't want the band drama I didn't want for me it was a job like I showed up I sang I learned all the songs I knew every song upwards backwards I learned all my background parts um one of my favorite singers that I was the first person that I ever worked with was Omega Ray she was my first chick singer um experience and was one of the best experiences um the woman that i was there replacing uh for the time being was awful and that's definitely another podcast episode <laughs> about uh our amazing experiences with other people on gigs um yeah and and it it kind of in a way i was short-sighted at there i still feel i had like some time left in me in the sense that i still could have I still could have at any point made the the trip to Nashville or LA. And I did the back and forth to LA for a long time, kept my toe in it and was still meeting people and networking and everything. But that paycheck doing cover songs on a weekend and not having to get a nine to five job was just like, I can make money at this and not move away and I'm not gonna because if I go to LA or Nashville I might starve and I might be uncomfortable and be away from my family and be lonely so I can still do what I want to do which is sing. I just want to sing 
I want to sing, I want to entertain, and I can do that here. And so I learned about this sub-world within this corporate cover band world. So I made it a point and a job to know every cover band's song list, to know all the choreography, to know anybody's part if they needed to be out. And I probably worked pretty long. I, I probably did that for eight years. Just being wanting my my goal is to be the first call sub. Anybody needed a sub, I would be their first call. That's what I wanted. And I wanted to be able to step into any band. And it was good and bad in that there was a lot of choreography. To, I, I mean, I could be on a gig and turn around and go like, I don't even know what band, which version, which form this is tonight because I just done two other versions this weekend of the same song. Right. Um, but I did that for a really long time. And then um, fell into the band that we met in um, because of them needing a sub. And so still had maintained my sub status and not wanting to be the member of any one band. And that was the first band I finally was like, okay, well, I am 35, I think. You're like, okay, it's time. I'm obviously not doing anything else. I'm settled. I'm married. I have a baby. This is finally some somewhat job security. I should should make this work. And um, finally, like, let go of that whole, like, I'm okay to be settled and be in a band. And then, well, you know how that turned out. And uh, <laughs> the... Uh, uh, well, maybe, well, maybe we'll get into that. I'm sure we'll, co- we'll come back to that a lot because I, uh, as I listen to you talk and I want to go all the, a million different directions, right. you know, it's, uh, I mean, a little bit of what just, a, I guess a little bit of, of what I want this podcast to be or what we want this, not me, it's not my podcast. Yeah. What we've I've, talked about this podcast being is like, I guess lifestyle is maybe the best way to put it. Like we're going to talk music. We're going to talk philosophy. We're going to talk, you know, day-to-day experiences and, you know, through the lens of like, we're going to tell stories, whatever, but, um, you know, it's going to be real and there's going to be a lot of, um, you know, uh, I, <laughs> I guess in the in the context, <laughs> we're gonna get pretty personal. Gonna, yeah, basically, what you're 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 getting to, we'll we'll be we'll be gentle and we'll be um, we'll be considerate. But like, I want to get, I want to get personal. I want to get to like what we're what, like that's giving the background of what we came to and how we came into this business and how we how we have made music our business. But now it's grown into something more because like it, it's our business, but it's also our relationship. And it's who we are individually, but now who we are as a couple also and as business partners, I think. I mean. Yeah. (laughs) And I guess I guess what I was going to say was, you know, I am going to work really hard to be honest on this podcast, but as honest with myself as anything else, because a lot of the stories and anecdotes we're going to tell, you know, I'm not going to be the hero of the story. It's going to be a lot about you know, where, where I might've fallen short, what I learned. I mean, there'll be triumphs too. And I, I, the, anybody who knows me knows there won't be any shortage of, uh, of good feel good stories, but this is definitely a place where, you know, we're not going to be afraid to talk about our failures or, or talk about, you know, the, the reality of even, even when we made a decision that ultimately is good for us or, or, you know, that, that had a good outcome or we got to where we wanted to get to, you know, like, you know, it's going to be about the realness of like, you don't just, uh, 
you don't just skip skip from point A to point B. Like there's there's things that happen in that in there, and there's things that um, you know I think there's value in in being as um, real and honest uh, and transparent as you can be without uh, throwing anybody else under the bus or without you know right. Um, anyway, so that's that's just a little bit I guess about where this podcast may be going. And I think part of it is we don't totally know where this podcast is going, and <laughs> that's going to be some true. some of the some of the some of the fun in, in the journey of of you know figuring out you know week to week or month to month what um uh what we want to talk about and what comes out because the reality it, reality is is for for anybody that doesn't know us um Miss Mercy and I we we talk a lot and especially when we're together so um. You know, this could go a million different directions and probably will go a million different directions. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Is this is a good place to leave the first first episode or? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good insight into where we come from. And, and going forward, I mean, I'd like to talk more about our band and how we we really came to form the band and our vision for that and and all the things that comes with it and well, do you want to do really that? want to talk about like I can't wait to get into to stories and and like my favorite one is I want to go back and forth and like you know you don't you're not going to have as many diva moments as I'm going to have and not meaning me but like I got plenty of diva moments like you know because again like wanting to be authentic but like you know we're we're in music and so you obviously have to have a a bit of ego you have to have a lot of ego to be in this industry and and just the egos that clash and the things that have happened on gigs and behind the scenes and not on gigs and it's just oh, I love all that stuff me too um <laughs> and I have no shortage of those stories um we're gonna get into the band in a future episode or you want to get into that now no let's do that let's save that okay that's content content um plus i love talking about our band <laughs> and our band is called mercy in the heartbeats we uh have our own band after years of playing in other people's bands and it's a passion of ours and it's a big part of our our relationship and a big part of our lives together so um yeah we'll get into that in a future episode and i'm sure it'll it'll be uh, a main cog of this of this podcast because we're still creating stories week to week i mean there's there's plenty of things that go on we're, we're not out to pasture yet we're still, <laughs> still adventures being had and, and stories coming up so well we have to talk about the band because this is this podcast is mercy and the man's it's so. true two two sixths of i don't do math <laughs> two out of six members of, Mer of mercy i can't wait to have the podcast where we have the whole band together that's gonna be fun oh my god yeah i have to get some more microphones yeah we have to run out of studio Right. You know, I'll just Willie. ask Will. Yeah, I was gonna say our boy Will. Our our drummer Will likes to buy gear, and uh, I'll just be like, "Hey, man, I need some microphones." But, oh, okay, man. Yeah, I've been thinking about buying a couple microphones anyway. So. Oh man, okay. That was one well, of your best wills. Well, I was half-hearted. I wasn't committed. <laughs> um, yeah, I love Will. Anyway, any who's, um, I think let's leave it there for now. That's yeah. a that's a good kind of like very general overview of who you are who i am how we got here to this exact moment won't be the last time we look back won't be the last time we tell stories but i think probably you know 45 minutes of us talking about ourselves is maybe an, <laughs> enough for one sitting maybe yeah. the most that anybody if you made it this far congratulations and thank you and if you didn't you don't know what you missed yeah um 
Also, I don't know if Miss Megan Slankert is going to give us permission to use her music uh, in our podcast. That's what I'm hoping. If she did, you'll will have already heard it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and again, uh, if she didn't, then I'll cut this out and you won't even know that this happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I promise I will leave this in if her music is on the podcast because A, it will. Um, I want to shout her out, Megan Slankard. And you probably have played on it. Uh, it will definitely be something I played on. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Uh, Megan Slankard, one of our favorites. Um, we'll have her on the podcast at some point too as a guest. Oh, yeah. Because she's, I mean, I want to get into eventually. I mean, I want to get into a million things, but I, I mean. We have so many people that like are in the industry in so many different ways that we're going to have to talk to. Yeah. And I, I'm, I am assuming a lot of the people that are going to listen to this uh, or the few people that are going to listen to this, not all of them are going to be musicians and maybe a majority of them aren't going to be musicians. And so I'd like to take the opportunity having a platform to also give people um, uh, insight into what it means to be a professional musician and all the different ways that that uh, shows up in the world. And Love to have some guests and have somebody like Megan, who is a, a um, you know, kind of do it, do it yourself indie, you know, songwriter, come on and talk about that. But anyway, we'll do that in a future episode. But um, God willing, you're hearing her music at the beginning and end of this show. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then thank you in advance to Megan. Um, and yeah, that's a good window into into how um, far we've thought this through too, because I haven't even cleared the music with her. So <laughs> anyway, okay. all right. Well, I'm hungry. Yeah. And I uh, need to eat. And so I have to pick up Roxy soon. So. Yeah, we got to pick up the the little nugget, four and a half year old who runs us around in circles. But mm. uh, okay, cool. We're well, signing off for now. Thank you, Mans. Thank you, Mercy. It's Mercy and the Mans. And I guess we're just going to trade off who's driving this podcast. Yeah. You intro it all outro. Okay. <laughs> hey, everybody out there, I need a, like a witty sign off. Like, be be good to yourselves and be good to others. I don't know. We'll work on that. Do something. Do something nice for for somebody in the world. All okay. right. When uh, yeah, uh, I love you. I love you. And uh, we love all of you people out there in the uh, podcast world too. Yep. Okay. Talk to you next time. Bye. You said that you found me, but you know that it was I found.